please, you buy into all that stars and stripes bullshit. Before you were his pet psychopath, you were Mr. America, Cap's best friend. Oh. All right. What's up, y'all? We back. Ah, okay. So, welcome to Falcon Winter. Falcon and Winter Soldier, Falcon Winter Review Pod. I am your host, Rain Coleman, the Carefree Black Nerd himself, Carefree Blurred on Twitter. Man, okay, so we're getting into episode three. Now, I told y'all last week I wasn't sure if I was going to continue. Uh, figured I'd hit y'all maybe an hour later. Real life, work, life stuff got in the way, so I'm coming to you a little bit later than before. Um this has been a very interesting series. Uh, episode three, Power Broker. Uh, yeah, get ready, get ready. What's up, John? What's up? Yeah, man, it is. It's it's wild. Okay, so <laughs> enough of that stammering. Uh, we get Sam and Bucky go to a criminal safe haven to find information about the Super Soldier Serum, bruh. Okay, so for those of you uh, unaware, I have like a little 101 to the Super Soldier Serum in the show notes below. Check that out with an assortment of other related episodes, podcast episodes about different Super Soldiers and whatnot. This, okay, so one thing that I've learned with this series and with MCU TV series so far is to manage my expectations as a fan. Um, I think Wanda had us going all out on the limb trying to get everybody named mama folded into the universe like so early x-men fantastic four like everybody so with this series i'm just enjoying it for what it is which is it's a pretty decent show it's not without its mistakes it's not without its hiccups so there's that now, <laughs> I told y'all before, I'm the mutant guy. I'm not the Avengers guy. But I really enjoyed what we got this episode. Looking at it being the third episode and knowing that we have three more, we're at the midpoint, and knowing how story structures are set up and whatnot, I am okay with where we are. But I'm ready to get the ball. Let's get some action. Let's get some shit going. Because what I feel like is episode six you need to have wrapped up everything and be moving on to the next project or the next phase or the next installment of whatever the MCU has going for us. And I am enjoying the ride, but I don't know. Something just still feels missing to me. Uh, before getting in deep into the episode, I do want to touch on a few things. Power Broker. Power Broker was mentioned a lot in this episode. Um, I'm not sure who this may be, but I think the very fact that they keep using uh, male pronouns with this person and referring to him as male, I think it's like a tricky thing. Maybe it's actually going to be a woman. Now, the Power Broker is the name of two fictional characters appearing in Marvel Comics, and um, one of which is Curtis Jackson as an alter ego, born in Charlotte. Um, he founds the Power Broker Corporation. I'm not going to get too deep into that, but I keep hearing the name. I'm like, all right, you give us something. Um, next up, we have uh, Wilford Nagel. Now, for those of you who are interested in super soldier-ness of it all, check out the podcast ep link episode listed below. I go over the whole history of super soldier serum, and Nagel is referenced as well. Um, 
he's not a great dude. I'll say that much. And then we have Madripoor. In summary, uh, the Principality of Madripoor is an island located off the um, Southeast Asia. It's a Marvel Comics uh, creation. First appeared in New Mutants number 32 back in October of 85. So what's that about 34, 35 years ago? Getting right to it. Forget all the non-spoiler nothing. This episode, a lot of shit went down. So we we open up, I'd say, mere minutes to maybe an hour after the ending of episode two. And we meet up with Baron. Bucky's like, hey, let me go in and talk to him, Sam. He don't like Avengers. He ain't trying to mess with you. I'll go in and do all the talking. I said his uh, last episode, Baron's prison gave me Magneto in the X-Men Fox franchise vibes, and it still got that from him. I like that he came out the gate subtly giving Bucky a little jab. I forget the words he said, but it was whatever mind control words he had over Bucky from before. He's like, man, that don't work no more. One thing that pulls me out of the show, and this is a me thing, not a show thing, but Sebastian, as Winter Soldier, I accept. I'm cool with that. But with this new haircut, I just got into Gossip Girl like maybe late last year, and so I've been going through the seasons. Realized Sebastian was also in Gossip Girl. This haircut he has in Winter Soldier is very much the haircut his character (laughs) in Gossip Girl. So I, I take him seriously, but... Every so often, I'm like, look at this motherfucker. Like, what is he doing on screen? <laughs> but that's 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 on me. That's not on the show. Um, this episode, we are continuously hopping all across the globe. We go and get Baron out of this German uh, prison, which felt like his escape felt like a heist movie. It felt like Ocean's 11, 13, 14, whatever number they're at now. What I do like about this is that Marvel has continuously taken just regular um, types of stories like a heist movie, a a historical movie, a romance or whatever else, and just put that superhero uh, casing over it. So when Bucky and Sam were talking in the garage about the hypothetical what would happen if we got Baron out of prison, and we're going through it. I assume this was really happening. I guess some people may have thought, oh, this is just in him playing out as hypothetical. But I did enjoy this weird mix-up because I like uncomfortable situations. If you can write a story, make me care about the characters, and then put them in these situations and relationships that are not really black and white because we get Baron is a terrorist. We got him locked up for a reason, but we need his expertise to get to the next level to figure out where all these super soldiers coming from. So us as the good guys, as the part-time good guys, I guess, have to break him out. And even within doing that, that's further ramifications for everyone else, specifically Bucky, as it pertains to Wakanda, like they take you in, you got healed there, White Wolf, and then you go and you get this man who killed their king out for your own reasons, however good or bad. But what do you do? So I love these uncomfortable situations. I love them. I love them. I love them. Sam was very interesting uh, this episode. He was very Sam. Which Anthony Mackie, I don't know if I've said on here before, but I've said on Twitter gives me this cross between (laughs) 
Lawrence Fishburne and Will Smith. Something about him. Those are the two celebrities that first come to mind. And a lot of his acting, I wonder if Will Smith is a um, idol or at least someone that he watched a lot as a kid because he feels and a lot of his mannerisms and the way he delivers lines, it feels like Will Smith to me. Uh, so we go through getting Barrel Baron Bar- Baron out of prison. Um, I want to focus on the most hated man in America, John Walker, U.S. agent, the, the fake Captain America. I don't like him. I don't know how y'all feel. If you like him, cool. He is not my cup of tea. I am not a fan. Um, what I do like about his character is that he is so much, I don't want to say not like Steve. They are similar, but it's almost like uh, Superman and Bizarro Superman, if that makes sense. So with this character, I'm not a fan, but I think that's a credit to the show in the way that they've set him up. The actor is doing a damn good job at being easy to hate. Um, He feels a lot like Homelander in The Boys. I I know I've mentioned that before. But this scene in particular, the beginning scene where he opens up and him and Lamar go into the, I guess, house business area of the people who took in the flag smashes from last episode. And he's like, on their heads, give me this, you got to do this, you got to do that. Which that part didn't really sour me too much because it's like whatever this is what you're gonna do but when it got down to him kind of sort of interrogating this guy talking about well you you had kylie here uh Kari here you gotta help us out this and that man spit in his face and he's like man do you know who i am and i'm like who fucking cares you were appointed by this higher ups in the united states government that means nothing to these people lamar had to break it down to him what the flag smashers are doing they're giving aid to those who are in need that's going to secure loyalty you are not going to easily turn these people against the flag smashers they're not a terrorist organization they are trying to get back some semblance of the life they had within those five years and i've said on this show i don't really think that they are 100 percent wrong i'm still waiting to see what the show gives us but i don't like this episode with Carly, I think they may have kind of upped the ante a bit to make them more of a terroristic organization. But at their core, they just want to get back to how things were before, which I think, for me at least, I think that that is worth enough of at least having a conversation because everyone, half of the world was gone for five years. We operated without half the world for five years. With this influx of people coming back from five years, that's going to shake some stuff up. And I don't see, well, I mean, I do see, but I don't see how do you lose sight of the rest of the world by catering to those who have returned? And I don't know what that's going to make me sound like. I hope it don't sound too negative or pessimistic or whatever. But when half the world was gone, we operated in a certain way. And now they're back and at the very basic needs. We're not even asking for everybody to have a mansion, everyone to have, you know, thousands of Lamborghinis, healthcare and food. That's the bare minimum. So forget John all day long. Another thing I don't like about his character, we were introduced to him, um, civilian him, I guess, in the locker room with his racially ambiguous, black-coated girlfriend, wife, 
old homegirl from back in the day. Also, his very dark-skinned black BFF. And we had this very much HBCU-style band celebrating him. A lot of this ain't really sitting right with me. I'm not really feeling this guy. But him aside, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this episode was the introduction of Madripoor. For those mutant fans out there, you already know this is a huge deal. Madripoor, yes, this is my place. This is the place where Wolverine spent all his time being Patch. I think Patch Adams was his name. Walking around with a patch on his eye, acting a fool. Imagine, I'm just, I'm excited. And I mentioned the WandaVision and speculations and um, kind of managing your expectations as a fan earlier in the episode for this moment in particular. We get Madripoor. Those of us who are fans of the mutants in the comics know how big of a deal this area is, but I don't want to get sucked into my fandom and come with these outrageous uh, fan theories and what could happen and what could be and then lose sight of the show and the story that they're telling us because Madripoor has been established. We now know it's on the map. We know that it's here. And when we leave Madripoor, we never have to revisit it again or we might come back in one of the episodes, but at the very least, it's there. So somewhere else down the line, we're going to get Madripoor again. But it took a lot for me to be like, okay, you here. It's cool. Enjoy it and move on. Let me know in the comments, or if you're listening to the podcast, tweet me on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. Um, what is your, what was your take on Madripoor? They set it up to be this very much red light district, down home, gritty, neon, New York, Asian space that is full of heavy hitters, bad guys, thugs, sexy people, all of that. Is that the feeling you got? Did the MCU version, um, did they accurately depict that? Or was it all lip service? For me, I think with a lot of the backgrounds, a lot of the music, um, a lot of the way that they handle certain shots, I felt like it was. There's one part in particular, and I want to play this video clip or audio for those of you listening on podcast form, where they... They being Baron, uh, Zemo, Sam, and Bucky walked onto like this screensaver of a backdrop. So let me go ahead and play it here. All right, have a little bit of technical difficulties, but that means said like the 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 color, the mood. Like I think they did a good job sucking you in. Like if this is the aesthetic that you go for, I can see. So I mean, even it doesn't have to even just be comics. If you're someone who reads books, um, you know, cartoons, anime, anything with this aesthetic or this vibe, so to speak, I think that this is they adequately set this up to be something to look forward to. That's just me. That's just me. Now, uh, F. John Walker all day long, Madripoor was wonderful. There is Smiling Tiger. Let's let's talk about him for a second. I didn't look him up. Forgive me. If you know about Smiling Tiger, 
leave me a comment, hit me up, FW Pop. So Sam and Berenzimo and Bucky are going undercover. Berenzimo stresses that we cannot break character. You cannot break character here or else we are done for. The stakes are high. They show Sam in this very much blackest king as suit. And he mentions, hey, yeah, this, um, you know, I'm going to look like a pimp if this all goes south. Berenzimo says, only Americans would see a black man well-dressed and think he's a pimp and this, that, blah, blah, blah. There was a lot of things that Baron said in this episode where I was like, who is writing this? Because it felt like, to me, that it was like, let me teach this black man about what it is to be black. Or so, like I maybe not that extreme, but something about the way in which Baron was talking about. I don't know. I guess I see him as being cultured, sure. But I don't know, man. Something about those interactions was a little bit off. And Sam mentioned it, although playfully for the show. Um but I wasn't, I wasn't really feeling it. But this smiling tiger character, I, this is where the show kind of fell apart for me. I'm not familiar with the character. Baron Zemo stressed that this is uh, an African character and that he has a certain look. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, then what Sam is going to do for the duration of the time he's in Majapur impersonating this man is he's going to be quiet. And Baron Zemo and Bucky are going to do take the lead. That's not what happened. This man talked, not a whole lot, but he talked. And I said, well, yeah, we're in a, in a loud nightclub. I mean, it's lower for us as the viewers, but I imagine this is a loud nightclub. He's doing his thing. He does. He sounds American to me. He sounds like just a regular American dude. Now, either I'm missing something or they didn't pull that off well enough. Um, the other portion is after this big fight that breaks out where Winter Soldier now has to whoop some ass, he has to play this Winter Soldier character, and Baron is you know, bad bitch number one, making him whoop butt and whatever. It was nice fight scene, whatever. We get to the back. We meet Shelby, uh, this older woman who is kind of the middleman between the, the leads, the lead characters, the guys, and the power broker. We are negotiating her and Baron. He'll give up the Winter Soldier with all his passwords if she would get him to the power broker or get him to somebody who can. She mentions Dr. Nagel. Again, episode listed in the in the show notes below. So Sam phone ring. And even this like took me out. I'm like, what? I know you have to suspend some belief for a lot of these shows. Even cartoons, comic book, dramas, whatever. But why on earth would your phone? Would your phone be on this loud, vibrant? Why would you not turn this phone off if we're going to be undercover being these these characters? There never felt like there was this heightened need for him to have his phone on. Like it wasn't established that maybe his sister is still in need of something. His nephews could be sick. Like it to me, it was like, why do you even have this phone on you? Honestly. Well, his sister called. Though I didn't like the phone thing, I did enjoy that being the caveat to him being discovered and found out that he's not this power broker, uh, not power broker, that he's not this smiling tiger. Cool. Which is so weird because Anthony Mackie got a bunch of smiling memes out there. So for him not to be smiling tiger. Yeah, but I digress. So sister gets on the phone. 
And she's like, oh, we got to talk about our situation. He's like, man, what situation, Sarah? What situation? Tell me what it is. And she's like, well, you know, our only situation in that for someone who is a diehard fan of like leverage, the TV show, however campy it is, I'm into it. So there were a lot of parts of this episode where I was all for. Um, But this, I don't know, man, this is, I'm still not sold. And I feel like with some of the things that we're getting, they are. So Marvel mentioned earlier before the show actually premiered that Sam would be coming to terms with his blackness and this and that. They're just the show is selling me on being an interesting MCU show. But when it comes to the blackness of it, I just feel like a lot of it is. Uh, performative. Well, that's not even a good. Mm, it just it's not. It's not, it's not sitting well with me. Um, for those of you who it is, let me know. Let me know. Like maybe I'm just disconnected and I'm not really getting it. I don't feel it. Like is this show, at least as it's portraying blackness, is it doing a well enough job in your opinion, or is it like I don't know what the heck they're doing over there? It just feels it's, it's weird. I'm sorry. It just feels off. In addition to this fight scene, we get this secret person who's like helping the guys out. They're shooting. They're doing this and that. Now, I'm, I'm not even going to hold you up. I had a really blonde moment. I thought that the person helping them was Carly because I, I don't think I was paying attention when I saw homegirl put her hood down and move to the side. Turns out it's Sharon. Cool. She's here. I like her. I like what we got from her. Again, for her, it was like, look, after the snap, and she told Sam, he's like, man, you come back to the States. We could do this, that, and the third. She, I'm like, you just mentioned last episode how she was blackballed and you and Steve went on the run for two years. Why do you think she would just walk back into America? So she's like, hey, man, I didn't have the Avengers on my side. So some of her action pieces were kind of wonky to me. It felt kind of weird. But if I'm going to... Um, be all in with this show. I think that the weird stuff about her character and her acting and um, her storyline, I'll say, I was able to like separate from that because again, the one line she said was, Sam, I didn't have the Avengers to back me up. And now I was like, okay, I'm so, this is what I'm talking about. When it comes to the five-year time jump gap, whatever, I want to know stories like this. Like how does Sharon get to Madripoor and end up here? She is a art broker, and the very fact that she is dealing in art makes me think, could she possibly be the power broker? Is that how she rose to this status so, not not necessarily so quickly, but how she secured her place in this status? Because um, they mentioned there's two parts of Madripoor. There's High Town and Low Town. All of the action, gritty, grimy stuff happened in Low Town. She saved them. We go to High Town. She lives in this beautiful, big, like old hotel style building. She's doing pretty well for herself. How did you get here? How is this where you ended up? And she's like, well, if I'm going to live the life of a hustler, I might as well, you know, dig deep into it. Sure. Again, I'm accepting everything you've given me about Sharon, but. I want to know a little bit of backstory because I feel like we're not getting the whole truth with her. If she's selling Monet's and, and getting money and now she big things walking, 
I need a little bit more, a little bit more. And I might not get that. This might go back to, again, managing your expectations as a fan. Um, something else that I thought was very interesting is that for her to be this high-end art dealer in Hightown, she spent a lot of time in Lowtown. She still ain't stopped fighting and whooping ass. And I'm thinking Madripoor probably has a large population of people. But if we're looking at people in certain areas like an art dealer like you are a um you are a black not black um black market yeah that's a black market art dealer so you're at a certain level where it's like goons who just shoot guns there y'all are far away from each other so i still have to say that there's not a lot of people who i would imagine are in her level of prestige, I guess, for lack of a better term. So for you to be selling art and throwing parties and stuff in Hightown, but you also piloted up in Lowtown, fighting, whooping ass, and uh, spying on Shelby and Power... Something is... Somebody lying, or you're connected as well. But again, manage expectations as a fan. <laughs> she could very well just be selling paintings. But then I'm like, where did you get this Monet? How do you have your hands on this original Monet and who are you selling it to? Um, all in all, I thought that was a good good space to be in, in Madripoor. I like seeing Sharon. I like getting this backstory we got from her. I really want to see a little bit more of her, even if it's not in this series. Um, I want to spend more time in Madripoor. I will say this show really did a good job, even with my mutant connection aside, setting this up to be a place where I want to visit. I want to see this in a movie. I want to see it in another show where we could spend a little bit more time here. Um, let's get to Dr. I don't know, Dr. Crazy. So this man is discussing with Baron, Sam, and Bucky how he created the serum, where he tried to perfect it. And again, going back to those five years, this man dusted away, came back, research was gone. The power broker hired him. He's like, hey, make this serum. He makes 20 vials. Then Carly somehow steals them. I need to know how she did that. I'm hoping because as much story and as much forward moving that we got in the plot, it feels like there's still a lot that's just being introduced so that hopefully we can wrap all this up by episode five. It's going into six because I have a lot of questions. How did Carly get her hand on this? Like, what was she doing before? She mentioned how she wanted to be a teacher um, her homeboy wanted to do something else. I forgot, but like she mentioned this and in that conversation with him, um, the other flag smasher, it felt like, okay, she was just a regular person. She became radicalized for some reason, but was it the return of everyone and the loss of resources? And with that being the case, I just need to know when she grabbed this serum because I'm trying to put the timeline together. If you guys know, let me know. But I'm trying to put this timeline together because you're gone for five years. Everyone comes back. We have the Flag Smashers. They're super soldier infused. This um, doctor created the serum, but he was gone for those five years. So it had to have happened when he got back. But where is she at in her life that she's even near this man? and able to, and doing dealings with the power broker. And I don't know, I just, there's a lot of questions that I have, <laughs> clearly. They get attacked. Uh, his lab is in a shipping container. Everything explodes. Everybody got to fight. This is when Baron Zemo 
really gets the leading man action hero scenes. He, Sam and Bucky and uh, Sharon and ran out of bullets. Baron Zemo puts on his hot ass summer mask with his big wool coat and he starts whooping ass. It's a really quick scene. Interesting. Still don't got me on his side. I'm still not a fan of his, but I did enjoy the scene. He's wealthy. He is, I don't know if they're now positioning him to be this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a good idea of what they're trying to do with Baron Zemo in the MCU. We get him in this episode, sure, and he probably will ride out for the rest as well. But is he now going to be our bad guy turned good? Is he now going to be our, um, like Victor Von Doom? I'm this wealthy guy over here in this space, and I deal with you when I do. I wonder what he's going to be, because um, it feels like they're trying to set him up to be a little bit more likable, to have him um, not be seen as this terrorist, or maybe the uh, kind of Magneto effect, where he was this big adversary before, and now he's just helping out. You know, enemy of my enemy is my friend. We're trying to get to the same end result. So I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, I don't really care for him as far as characters are concerned. He's not a favorite, but I did enjoy him in this episode. I thought it, it was some pretty good moves that he had going on. Um, Sam reaches out to Torres because they find out that Carly had asked the doctor about a Donya Milani. I assume that was her mother, or at the very least, a mother figure, a woman who was in a camp and because of the health conditions in the camp, after everyone else returned back from the snap, she got tuberculosis and she died. So Carly reached out to Dr. Uh, Nagel and was like, hey, can you help us out? Homegirl died. Torres found out. And this is where the show changed. And I feel like they're trying to move away from the Flag Smashers just being this group that is trying to do good things and trying to paint them out to be more criminal uh, because they go into this facility in Lithuania. And in this facility, we don't know it just yet, but there is some stuff being housed there. So Carly and Homeboy, and I forget his name, it's the Asian flag smasher. They're talking about, hey, he's like, man, you need time to mourn. You just lost whoever this woman is to her. I don't know. You just lost her. She's like, we don't got time for that. Mm -mm, no time to mourn. We got to get shit done. And they talk about their dreams, what they wanted to do before the snap and all this. It was cute. It was nice. Um, it humanized her a little bit more. And we finally got to see this man's face. They go in, Carly and Homeboy, Asian dude, tie up all of the government soldiers, officials, they say we hit the mother load. We got medicine. We got food. We got this, that, and the third. And so the funny thing is, after they tie these folks up and they're walking out and they're loading the stuff in the trucks, one of the government officials who's tied up, slumped against the door, he's like, oh, you filthy flag smashers. Okay, that would... Is that supposed to hurt my feelings? I don't care. You tied up, fam. Say what you want. Call me everything you want, but you still here. So I'm like, okay, they got the mother load. They're doing what they've been doing. But no, Carly and Homeboy, and again, I 
don't know his name, y'all. They go to his car. He's like, man, you ain't going to get in your car, Carly? She's like, no, nah, forget that car. He putting on the seatbelt. She's like, hurry up and put on your seatbelt. Put in your seatbelt. He clicking on explosion. They didn't kill all these folks. So the guy was like, man, you you killed. There were people in there. She's like, yeah, we have to talk like they do. We have to fight fire with fire, blah, blah, whatever. So that's the moment where I think the show wants you to be like, yeah, you thought things was good, guys, but look how bad they're doing. And for me, I don't care. Like, what worse has been done in this show alone, in this episode? Like, not necessarily even worse. Like, the same amount of bad stuff has happened and even greater. And the very fact that Sam cannot get a loan from the bank, he's not getting paid a wage. Yeah, he got these little government contracts, but he's still out here a black man on his own, still getting pulled over, gun pointed on him and all this other stuff, the treatment of Isaiah. Like, for me, you are not, I cannot possibly be the demographic that you want to hate these flag smashers. I I don't know. I don't know what this show wants for me, but I do not, I'm rooting for them. Team Flag Smasher and Team Falcon. That's where I'm at. It's, I don't know. Y'all let me know. Let me know if I'm crazy. Are y'all Flag Smasher fans as well? <clears throat> or are y'all like, no, nah, we ain't with that noise. You wrong, Rain. You wrong. Let me know. I'm fine with it. You know, <laughs> but as it stands now, give me a flag smasher, give me Falcon, and then let's go and parlay it up in Madripoor. And I'm good. I'm good. So we get on the road or in the air, and Baron's like, "Man, I know where place we can go. Lay low, be safe, blah blah, whatever." And we get this ending. Uh, scene space and i'm going to try to play this for you we'll see if i'm still having technical difficulties um and the show went a direction that i wasn't prepared for and i enjoyed it a little bit more because again going to managing expectations it would have been really easy for everyone to speculate this that that and the third and then it ends up a whole nother way so we get a character who uh pops back up I don't know if this is a cameo or you or they're going to be here for the rest of the series, but let's see if this will play. Let's see. Ah, it's not playing. It's not playing. All right. Well, forget that noise. So, uh, <laughs> while Bucky, Sam, and Baron Zemo are about to go into this building, Bucky's like, "Hey, man, um, I'm gonna go take a walk. I'll see y'all in a minute." And they're like, "What do you mean, take a walk?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take a walk. I'll, um, I'll be back in a minute." So he picks up this, looks like maybe an earring, like a black earring. And then he starts walking and you hear this noise, this little beeping noise. And uh, he walks down the street, kind of across the street, finds something else. But it's like maybe the other pair of it and it's stuck into a wall. He pulls it out. He's like, hey, you dropped this. You know, nobody, nobody here. Nobody here. He's in this alley on his own. Turns around and we get the... Dora Milaje, we get Mrs. Move or you will be moved. So I saw that, and you know, I I acted crazy. I didn't. I was watching from my phone. I actually like <laughs> laying on the bed. I was like, oh shoot! Flipped my phone up. Went on the other side of the bed. I'm early in the morning, three in the morning, trying to reach behind my bed post and put whatever. It was a whole thing, but I was excited. Dora Milaje, um, the Dora Milaje episode of Carefree Black Nerd is listed in the show notes, so check that out. But the Dora Milaje, I'm like, bruh, again, the consequences of your actions. You break out Baron Zemo, your people who took you in and helped take care of you and nurse you to health after your interaction with Zemo, 
want him because he didn't kill their king. What are you going to do now, Bucky? What are you going to do now? So I did like that. I didn't necessarily like everything in the episode, but seeing that uncomfortable situation at the end, I was excited for it because now that's a cliffhanger that is going to definitely have me tuning in next episode, probably at two in the morning, trying to figure out what happens next. Bucky, you've already been put in a situation where you killed someone as the Winter Soldier and you are now being friends with that person's father out of some form of guilt. That's one thing because that was your actions as the Winter Soldier. But what you're doing now is your actions as Bucky. You, these people nursed you back to health. You know that this man killed their king and you, you are aiding and abetting him, for lack of a better term. Sam even mentioned it. What will the Wakandans think? They won't like this. So I'm interested to see what happens next. How does this how does this interaction go? Like I'm I, I don't even want to have any predictions. I'm just I'm excited. Cause uh first of all, I she was dressed that like <laughs> these Wakandas do not step out half ass. They are always dressed to the nines, to the T, to high hell, high heaven. They are always dressed, and I love it. But I'm, I'm interested to see what comes from this. What is next? Because, Bucky, you ain't in Kansas no more, and you got a lot of shit to be guilty about. And you And this, you just adding it on. Um, another thing, with Baron and the guys showing up to Madripoor and Bucky having to not necessarily relive, but kind of have to step back into this Winter Soldier role. We've already seen him talking to a therapist. I, I wonder, I want to see what is this like for him now? Because Baron even made the comment like, oh, he stepped into this role. It didn't take much for him to do this, but whatever, when he was whooping ass at that bar. But like, no, seriously, what is this going to do to him mentally once we come out on the other side of this like in the mcu are we now going to get a well-adjusted bucky or is this a man who just slips in and out of this assassin persona i don't know i don't know but i'm ready for whatever it is so <laughs> so that's that man that's my take like again i like the episode um it didn't hit a hundred percent for me and I don't know that the series will at all because I do have this emotional tie to um, or response to a lot of the subject matter, specifically with Isaiah, um, with Sam and his sister and what they're dealing with as a family. Because even with Bucky being a person who um, doesn't seem like he has a lot of money, he's also a man displaced in time. So for him the things that he would want and need are different from what Sam and his family would. So him sleeping on the floor in his apartment doesn't hit me as hard, not even because he's a white guy and then Sam's black. It's mainly because this man does not seem to want for that. His his fight is more emotional and more um, mental, cerebral, whatever, where Sam's is not only emotional, but you also have that financial and that physical fight of like, what me in my black body with my black family and the hardships that we endure from trying to keep our boat afloat, keep our family house together, keep getting money. Like they're, so it's not even because Bucky is white. It's because he is this man 
from decades ago where he doesn't have those same desires or those same needs. At least the show hasn't presented it that way. I don't think Bucky would care if he had a fully furnished house. He just needs a place to lay down. He's like a robot. Um, so that's, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in what happens next with everyone. Uh, so let's go ahead and look at a few comments. Uh, John says, the homoerotic tension throughout this episode. Man, let me tell you. Look, folks make their jokes. Falcon and the Winter Lover, that's what this is. But this whole, man, they gay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, Baroness Mephisto watch. <laughs> right, right, right. Man, look, manage those expectations. Uh, that was John, and now John Livingston says 50 cent, 50 cent, go be it. Okay, y'all, now y'all just playing. Um, but yeah, no, but so John says, Where's the X Men be at now? Yeah, Madripoor again. I am very, very excited to get more of Madripoor, but again, I'm gonna manage my expectations, y'all, because I'm I will be heartbroken if I hype myself up and get myself so excited for mutants, and they're like, Eh, you'll get one mutant this phase, and you'll get the rest later. We give you Madripoor just to wet your palate, which if I am allowed to indulge for a moment, I feel like it would be a good route to take as the um, MCU overall to start seeding in some of these locations that are integral to mutants um, and just have them there at least well-established so that when we do get whatever version of mutants and X-Men that they want to give us, it's not a whole lot of trying to say, this is Storm and she's from Egypt. And remember when you went to Madripoor? It's not a whole lot of like info dumping. It's all of this stuff is already laid here. You already got the groundwork. So I think if that's the direction they're going, that's pretty, pretty smart. I like that. Uh, let's see. I, <laughs> Ivy says, he says, Sam too old for him not to have his phone on. Do not disturb. Man, tell me about it again. Sam, how do you, as a grown man who is an Avenger, who has gone away for five years, came back, seen all this mystical, magical stuff, how do you not put your phone on silent? How do you not turn it off? You're on a mission, man. So I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, let's see. Ivy also says that this episode turned into John Wick real quick. Yeah, that was, um, that was some of the, <laughs> the responses I saw online is that this episode really felt like a John Wick. Yeah. And that's a good, 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 good catch. I think that if you are into, into this version of Madripoor that we're presented with, I think the John Wick series would be a amazing or, um, uh, similar, uh, project to watch if you haven't seen it already like who hasn't seen john wick number one the first movie uh but yeah man this this was some stuff man and i am actually very excited for the next episode but it's mainly because of the door melange like first of all a black woman on screen dark-skinned black woman because again where the black folks at you know and you got Sam, sure. You got his sister, yeah. But like overall in Marvel, where these black folks at? Where they at? But yeah, the Dormelage. I want to see how how they affect the next few steps of this show. Um, 
And we could be getting some more people down the pipeline too. But again, managing my expectations as a fan, I have not looked at the cast list. I don't want to be spoiled um, just in case. Now, if I find something scrolling through Twitter, sure. But I don't want to be intentionally spoiled that this person coming or that person coming. This was a very pleasant surprise for me. So, y'all, man, I don't know. That's it. So let me know how you guys feel. Use that hashtag FWPod when you're listening to this episode, when you're re-watching this episode, when you're listening on podcast form, and let me know what are your thoughts on this third installment. Is this now, have they proven that, yes, this is a show worth watching for you? Um, especially after all the craziness we got with WandaVision. If you were a fan or if you weren't, do you feel like this is the show that's getting you back on the Marvel train, or you know, if this is was just the best show there was. Um, Sharon, I'd like to know your thoughts on Sharon, on Baron Zemo, and on Sam and Bucky's space that they occupy in this show, specifically this episode. Like I said, ending with Bucky and Adora Milaje, and then having Sam with this silly phone stuff. Um, let me know. Just let me know how you feel overall. I'm always open to the conversation. Please hit me up on Twitter. Carefree Blurred is the handle. Carefree Black Nerd everywhere else. Um, if you want to email me, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. You got a little bit more to say. You want to um, share some theories or whatever else. Um, email me. I'm always open to read a nice, nice email. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, guys, until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. Um, stay away from Madripoor until we get our mutants back. And uh, <laughs> I will check y'all next week, either at 6.30 or 7.30. We don't know yet. But check y'all next week for episode four because, man, this is some stuff. All right.